0: Salty. They're like huge seed pods.
1: Welcome to the Salty Pod, where two friends discuss pop culture and more.
0: James
1: and Jay Norman. Should we begin?
0: Yeah, let's get back to it. It's been a little while, right? We left off with Loki, and we're right back into the Marvel world. Not everything feels <laughs> anywhere near to normal in the world yet, but the uh, slate of like Marvel content that is queued up over the next. <laughs> Six to 12 months seems like a pre-pandemic type of uh, event, right? <laughs> so yes. Suddenly it's like we're about to be flooded with big budget, big screen Marvel content. Yep.
1: Yeah. And we have one of those first uh, looks at the big tent Spider-Man No Way Home trailer.
0: Yeah. And this, I mean, I feel like this Spider-Man as long as like uh, Black Widow had been like delayed and delayed and delayed, it seemed like we were always like revisiting like, oh, what's going to happen in Black Widow? When are we going to see it? When's it going to come out? I feel like this Spider-Man movie has like been consistently front of mind for Marvel fans and audiences in general for almost as long <laughs> because of all the little. Bits of news that have kind of like filtered out throughout, you know, the last year or so about the casting and potential storyline and the it being kind of a bridge into like the next phase of the grander Marvel world of alternate realities.
1: Right. Yeah. And obviously, this trailer got leaked right the day before it was released. Was that, is that right? It got, so. it got leaked sometime before and then I think they felt we're, we're just going to have to release it earlier. I, I think it got released a little earlier than they wanted because of that. And I have to say, I'm quite surprised how long the trailer was and how much was revealed. I didn't expect it. You know, all those all the villains that we get, we you know, some hints maybe there's, you know, we definitely obviously have Doc Ock. We definitely have the Goblin, Green Goblin. We definitely have Electro, mm-hmm. we have the lizard, that really quick flash where you, know, you can't really even see where Peter Parker is, but it's dark and the flash comes kind of behind and you see the lizard behind him and then yeah, possibly yeah. Sandman. Yes. Yes. No hints yet of whether we're actually going to get a an appearance of Tobey Maguire or um, Andrew Garfield though. Yeah, I wouldn't imagine they would give that away quite so quickly and easily. <laughs> no. No. I I think so either.
0: I mean, I think that that's all the gravy on top that they're saving. You know, they're not going to reveal the Spider-Man pointing at himself meme come to life, you know, <laughs> in, the, in the trailer, yeah. you know, unless it's maybe the trailer like immediately preceding the release, you know, the, the last one, but you know, given that they kind of like they close the trailer with a you know very prominent de aged uh <laughs> Alfred Molina, yeah. as Doc Ock is like you know throughout this trailer, they're really kind of focusing on like the villains, like you say, that th- that they are gonna be you know unleashed by
1: all the magic that uh Doctor Strange is up to, yeah, and that's something else maybe to talk about too that Doctor Strange is acting. Slightly strange in this uh, trailer uh-huh. I've seen people speculating, is this really doctor Strange? Is this some you know, somebody in disguise, something of that nature? I don't know how you feel about that, but
0: yeah i mean i didn't I didn't really pick up on that until I saw some buzz about people speculating that I could see I guess you know watching that trailer a second time. Can see like yeah maybe my th- i mean my initial reaction was like suddenly i feel like dr strange is like everywhere or like at least hinted at you know being everywhere in the yeah <laughs> in the uh marvel universe and maybe that's maybe that's partially because we've just been talking so much about where this is going with the alternate dimensions and everything and um and how clearly he fits into it but yeah i guess we already know that kang the conqueror and all his different variants have been unleashed you know through loki Mm -hmm. is it crazy to think that he could be like some version of him is like causing mischief on earth during this time even before i i would say my my reaction my first reaction to this trailer before my you know noting how dr strange i think is everywhere is like how much i need to like focus on reorienting reorient, my like self to like the timeline <laughs> like, like i feel like i'm constantly confused like where where we are in the timeline which movies are uh which movies and shows are kind of like are taking place at which points i guess using kind of like the infinity wars Endgame timeline as like a uh, as the touchstone for that and reminding myself like what happened in the last spider-man movie <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, yeah it's been a it's been a minute
0: because <laughs> I, I was completely forgot about it i think um and then like oh okay right you know he was you know mysterio was in it but mysterio was basically a fake though and right um and then yes he got his his uh his uh secret identity revealed at the end of that that was the big cliffhanger right and that movie also like was post infinity wars uh-huh Which seems like that's crazy. (laughs) It doesn't, (laughs) because that movie seems like it's been a while since it's been out. But you know, it doesn't seem like it's been that long since Endgame and Infinity War. I guess that's kind of a product of how how densely stacked these movies were, you know? Yeah. prior Prior to pandemic, yeah, we know that all these different alternate realities are going to be unleashed in this movie. Now we've seen like a glimpse of all the adversaries that Peter will have. But I am kind of intrigued to see what kind of coherent story they're going to be able to put around so many different characters. You know, when we start thinking about all the almost certain variations of Spider-Man that are going to show up in the movie as well. Yeah.
1: Maybe they could take a little cue from uh, the animation side, the Spider-Verse. Yeah. You know, how to, how to accomplish that.
0: Yeah. I hope they do. I hope it, I hope there is some heavy influence from the Spider-Verse you know, because that was such a successful, you know, application of doing essentially what, yeah, you know, this movie is going to try and do with live action.
1: Yeah. It's interesting to think about some of the visuals too. I think in the trailer, like I found interesting, the, when Dr. Strange is casting the spell and I don't know what, you know, they're in the circles, you know, the Jodie Foster contact circles are spinning around, <laughs> spinning around them. And it, and it kind of breaks the background, and you see the basically the universe, and it looks just like where King is at the end of the world and Loki, or at the end of uh, time rather. So uh, King's place at the end of time at the end of Loki looks very similar visually to the background of the end of the, the magic spell that mm-hmm. Strange does for Peter. I wonder if there's some kind of connection there, if they're setting up King to be the next big baddie in the films.
0: I wonder if that's, you know, if we, I guess if we're imagining King being a central character or more central character and adversary for, um, in the Dr. Strange film to come, then it's probably pretty likely that an end credit scene here, you know, for Spider-Man is going to directly lead into that. Or maybe like a, you know, whatever their reveal is at the end of this movie, you know, has some, direct connection leading there with all these different characters in play. I can't imagine that there'll be like a lot of overt, like references or you have to Kang during this film. Yeah. Too much. But at the very end, like kind of like a reveal like that, Oh, this guy was kind of behind all this or something that's happened to like fix this shattered reality. Also leads towards Kang something along those lines.
1: Right. Right. I would imagine at the end of this current Spider-Man film that they're going to have to point to Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. And maybe they will just leave Kang out altogether for that as well. There could be, you know, I know I've seen, you know, speculation about who the big baddie might be in that film. Somebody like an you know, Dormammu coming back or yeah. Or like in which we'll talk about later, what if uh, Peggy, I can't remember the big monster like right, that she Red Skull release, releases and she's fighting. Right. I can't remember the name. I don't um, either. But yeah, there's there's going to be a pointing towards that film and who knows what that will tell. Like you said, maybe they'll just do it at the end or maybe they won't do that at all. Maybe it'll be somebody completely different and Kang's going to come about in, in other films.
0: Yeah, I do wonder though how long they might drag that out. I mean, mm-hmm. We're still, I guess we're just, we're we're, we're right now at the beginning of this next big phase, right? If we, you know, if we think of Black Widow as kind of closing out that final phase and then this, you know, before any of this, we've got Shang-Chi coming out, you know, very soon.
1: Um, We don't know how
0: that's going to figure into the greater Marvel universe.
1: Right. Um, We have some clue with... uh Uh, explanation for why Wong might be off doing something different here, leaving through that portal and maybe going to help.
0: Yeah. That seemed like a very like kind of potentially clear line drawn between those two films. And then the Eternals, you know, it was like a month before Spider-Man. And again, it's like unclear, like how is this going to like figure into like the, not only what's come before, but what are we, what we're heading towards.
1: I saw some interview quote from Kevin Feige, you know just a general statement saying that he's in absolutely no rush to like do another Avengers film or something you know trying to do some big team up thing. I think like he said, we're right at the beginning of this new phase and I'm sure we're just going to have a series of these individual films like we something similar like we did in the in you know earlier phase where you build these characters and eventually they might cross over into a movie together.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the process of that alone, I think will be kind of fascinating to watch. I guess we're, you know, at the beginning of like this original run of um, Faggy led Marvel films, it was a, in a similar place, right? We weren't necessarily kind of overtly heading towards the Avengers as if you like looked at, you know, those initial films in their own right, but the suggestion was always there in the blueprint in the comics is just so like front and center that there's, there was no way to like, you know, once we got past the first Iron Man film and we saw everything else that was like lined up, it's like, yeah, I mean, this is all, you know, we know where this is going to go, but now we've got a lot of other films that I don't know may or may not have similar, you know, blueprints, you know, in the comics is where they might lead. But initially it does, it feels a little bit more, dispersed, just the mix of like Spider-Man kind of like hearkening back towards like a previous era, you know, most, and kind of a bridge from past characters into these future characters. And then maybe Dr. Strange a little bit, but. Mm-hmm.
1: little capitalistic motivation behind too, seeing where these things go, what, what movies perform, what characters stick. And I'll say, oh, okay, we can bring yeah. this one into, you know, the, the, uh, an Avengers type collection, you know, but this one we'll leave out. Yeah. So well, or didn't get, ex- you know, didn't have the reception <laughs> we wanted. And <laughs> yeah, I, I'm i glad that
0: you brought that up because that was also front of mind for me, too. And I feel like maybe I'm, a, I take the cynical viewpoint a little bit more often. Uh, but <laughs> so, but it's exactly what I was thinking, too. It's like, it seems like maybe we're like, let's wait and see, you know, how these things shake out, you know, which of these characters brought to life you know in live action big budget films have that kind of magnetism right that that approached you know when we saw iron man and captain america and yeah, you know, thor you know and brought to life for the first time so yeah i think there's yeah nobody will admit that but that seems like how could that not be like a thing i mean yeah. if if the eternals bombs <laughs> and it's yeah. a terrible movie yeah. i mean <laughs> is it you know it's it, it seems like yeah that could be something that they could just kind of like leave on out on the side and doing its own thing and not necessarily weave into like the grander scope of the more sure things that we have with right. uh spider-man and thor dr
1: strange even dr
0: strange probably still qualifies for that given that he's kind of bringing together a lot of the
1: some of the characters that have like been around for a long time. Having said that, right, the Eternals trailer looked quite beautiful, like film. It looks I, great. I, I was I was impressed. It looked, I, I guess, to pick up on Martin Scorsese's critique. It looked like cinema. Yeah, you know, it looked more cinematic. It looked more filmic. I think that's to do with the director, but
0: sure. I mean, it's Chloe Zhao, so yeah. I mean, that is that's gonna that alone is just gonna be a fascinating experiment to see in the Marvel world of um, not that they, I mean, they've had tremendously talented directors, right. you know, doing these movies, but this is a, this seems like a whole different approach.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And uh, I'm hopeful. I mean, cast is great. Director is fantastic.
1: So anything else for Spidey that you have to get off your chest? No, nothing in particular. I'm
0: just, again, all, I think, Two months from now when we see another trailer i'll uh, once again i'll be like wait a minute where what happened (laughs) in the last movie (laughs) at some point i guess i should go back and watch that last spider-man movie maybe when i see it the once i feel bad that we haven't really talked about shang chi too much i think for me it is almost solely has to do with the fact that where you know it's coming out like now right it's coming out like in a week or something and yet I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna see it anytime soon. <laughs> you yeah, know, I know. But, you know, I'm not. I'm not heading to theater. You know, anytime soon. So, right. Um, at some point, we will circle back and yeah. talk about that. And mm-hmm. um, because, again, I think this is another, you know, really noteworthy film for Marvel, and um, I'm fascinated to see.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm, know, I'm, I'm how this plays out,
0: and I know very little about this story um and this character mm-hmm. or characters you know so that's kind of fun too is like having like getting introduced to something that is new you know rather than like thor and spider-man yeah. and right you know iron man and you know people that we already characters that we already knew about so for me
1: that'll be new i'm very interested in that story i am also not familiar with the characters and so yeah it's a that's an adds a little bit extra Excitement to it.
0: Yeah. And I am just briefly looking at like the cast and who they're playing, and I am completely confused <laughs> now. <laughs> so because somebody's playing Mandarin. hmm Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And Tim Roth is playing Abomination.
1: Oh, okay. Coming back. Okay. From Hulk. Yeah. Right. So, Which we knew that from the trailer, right? Because because uh Wong yeah. long fights abomination at some point right in that trailer yeah or like in a cake cage match or something oh yeah uh, it's been a long time since i've seen the trailer so
0: same yeah i think i've forgotten it anyway so so yeah that'll be interesting I i i guess we're looking at another like some version of alternate realities or characters plucked out and like playing somehow different roles i don't know but hey michelle yo is in it so i'm mm-hmm. i'm down well, should we segue from one Marvel franchise to the next um, <laughs> and dive into what if? Yeah, so how have you found it? by and large, I've really I've enjoyed it. I wasn't expecting that much. It definitely didn't feel like there was there wasn't nearly as much like kind of lead up to this as um, the live action Disney plus streaming shows, right? right. You know we've got we got the first look at this you know some point last year right and not a whole lot after that and then this just kind of like dropped i think i immediately watched the first episode you know because i wanted to check it out and it was you know it was obviously it was brand new so i like the look and feel I, I think the the animation style is interesting i love that jeffrey wright is the watcher yeah. <laughs> slash narrator <laughs> mm-hmm. that's amazing the first episode You know, informed my kind of early impressions of the show, obviously, was fun. I thought Haley Atwell's, you know, Peggy performance was like this, like, gleeful, kind of like, you know, just victorious, like, performance, you know, as like Captain UK. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. It was great. But I came away from it thinking that the, story still like hewed really a little too close to like kind of you know the original like plot lines yeah you know we just kind of like switch characters um switch you know sort of switch roles i mean i mean peggy's still like a strong character in the original captain America Avengers she's not you know scrawny skinny uh steve and you know putting steve in like the iron man suit mm-hmm know, it's different but overall i mean generally it was basically the same exact story right she doesn't get frozen in the ice but she does get sent you know right inner to the interdimensional (laughs) right Right. so again it's like the you know some of the details are you know different but basically she takes the same journey again I, i felt like okay this is fun but if this is what they're gonna do with all these episodes, then I think that's gonna feel a little you know tiresome if we're yeah. just gonna like you know switch up you know, oh, this in this episode Tony Stark actually takes you know, becomes you know Dr. Strange or something like that, you know, and right. whatever. but these next couple of episodes definitely veered off in yeah. much more dramatically yeah. different directions and which was good.
1: so. I had similar feelings. Yeah. The first episode did not blow me away by any stretch performance wise. Yeah. I I agree. Like Haley Atwell did a great job and, and I have to say all around voice acting has been really good and Mm -hmm. it's, it's actually difficult to tell when the, you know, I know they have a lot of the stars doing the voices, but they have obviously some replacements and that's a, testament that it is really difficult to tell who those replacements are so i i've been impressed with that because a lot of times i think oh that is actually scarlett johansson no that's lake bell yeah. scarlett johansson and you know similarly like with tony stark i know i can't remember the voice actor who plays tony stark and he does other tony stark voiceovers for you know general avengers animation and whatnot Mm-hmm. So, you know, things like that, I thought was impressive. But yeah, I, I agree. It kind of, it hewed too closely to maybe the original timeline, but you know, the first episode, I think that's fine. It's getting you acclimated to mm-hmm. maybe what might happen here in these, in this series. And then the next two kind of do take it in wilder directions. I was particularly like seeing, you know, Black Panther become Star-Lord is a very interesting little twist and how different that is and some of the stuff is just you get a little bit of explanation for some of these changes like okay how did he really influence Yandu? you know mm-hmm. to get him to change and especially how did he really influence thanos you know yeah change, yeah. change uh, his mind you, know, you, you get a little hint at it sometimes right your best weapon is a good argument or something he said It's like, well, what was that argument? I'd like to hear Hear that. (laughs) Right. That seems like a whole nother story that needs telling. But that was interesting. And then obviously the end of that second episode too, really kind of, well, the first one does too, they set it up for future episodes, which I think is good. You know, Peggy Carter now in what, 70 years later with Barton and- uh, Nick Fury. Nick Fury, Yeah. With yeah. Fury and, and Barton, and then the second episode, having Ego come visit Peter Quill at the end, and that sets something up there for Peter Quill actually maybe taking up the mantle that he doesn't take up in Guardians 2 because mm-hmm. he's, he has not had the experiences that he had. So, of course, his dad coming back and offering him this, he might actually take him up on the offer.
0: We're just kind of riffing on this, and, and ideas are like coming to to us as we're talking and which i guess that's you know that's a good thing this is kind of like the show that's called you know that's titled what if like it inspires a lot of like speculative talk about oh where could this gone or where i guess i'm thinking i wasn't thinking about like i wasn't thinking about this series like going on past this season Mm
1: -hmm.
0: or these individual stories going forward until we're just talking about it again maybe that's you know that's entirely reliant on how successful they decide this show is i definitely did not i didn't fully grasp until the end of the third episode which we'll touch on yeah uh the loki avengers you know murder mystery episode that not only are these like all these are like this is like a different characters that are like mixed up and alternate you know paths and everything but they're all completely separate from each other like this is they, you know these this is an entirely different universe from episode to episode right. and i think that the biggest hint at the end of the loki one is like when nick fury is like looking at like the shield of captain america and that's not peggy carter's right shield right, right? so which makes me think well okay well if if we like imagine like a second season of this, is it like every episode is like what happens next from the first season slate of episodes, you know, first episode of, uh, 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 season two is, you know, what happens with Peggy Carter after she gets there to so on and so forth. Or are we going to like, as the series goes on this season, are we going to go revisit these,
1: these stories? I'd seen something. Uh, I read something that some of them are going to be revisited. I think they are going to do some tie-ins. I don't know about if they're, like you said, I don't think it's going to be every one, but I mean, it could be. What do I know? But I read that there there were going to be some tie-ins and some um, reappearances from from characters, not just unconnected. Uh, Reappearance, you know, different universe, but, but kind of continuations. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. I mean, in every, I mean, in every, all three of these episodes, there's a very clear, like, Oh, (laughs) we need to find out what happens next. I am, I'm, I'm interested enough in these stories now that I want to know what happens next in these Mm -hmm. different like versions in the world. So hopefully I'm hoping that we'll see more though. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much, this was, I, I feel like the, the second episode was very much billed as like Chadwick Boseman's like final performance. Right,
1: yeah.
0: And mm-hmm. which was, I mean, heart-wrenching, you know, to watch throughout <laughs> on yeah. its own. Really yeah. enjoyable to watch also. Very, just the whole, just kind of Ocean's mm-hmm. Eleven heist movie type of, you know, <laughs> in the mm-hmm. in the Marvel universe. But, and I mean, just to this point, I think that's, that's probably the standout episode for me out of the three you know maybe it's mm-hmm. it's part it you know it's heavily weighted because Chadwick Boseman is featured but I mean Michael Rooker Kurt Russell showed up They had Benicio Del Toro <laughs> Josh Brolin you yeah know, Karen Gillian you know
1: I guess uh we should maybe just lastly if we're not gonna add anything else say something I, how do you feel about the animation style of the show you know, the kind of 2d animation and
0: I generally like the look and feel of it. I think it shines more in the action Mm -hmm. sequences and maybe is a little less effective in like quieter moments, but that could just be personal preference. And I don't know. It's, I like, I mean, I like seeing something that's, you know, that looks a little different, looks a little, I don't know how to categorize it. I've been watching so much of those, you know, the star Wars animation over the last (laughs) several months that I feel like. I'm maybe not fully appreciating the subtleties in the animation that I would otherwise, if I hadn't, if it'd been a long time since I've been watching any animated series. But and that was also, you know, at, that was wrapped the heels of watching uh, Invincible on oh, right, uh, right. on Amazon. So also very uh, different animation style, very you know retro looking animation. Really, but yeah. Overall, I I like it. Everything it it's like I said, it's interesting
1: looking. How about yeah, you? I like that. It's a little bit different. I really like the shadowing. Yeah. I think I, I don't know. It, it looks artistic, but yeah, I think you're right that it probably is more effective in, in the action moments than it is in the quiet dramatic moments. It's not as maybe expressive in the, in those, right. In those moments. Yeah. But generally I like it to be, like you said, because it's, something different stylized approach
0: yeah yeah i think that's a good way to put it you know i think that's what i was trying to was kind of reaching for with there is there is a kind of a in those quieter moments there's a sort of wooden feel to Mm -hmm. you know some of the characters and that is kind of a departure from watching like uh star wars uh rebels and clone wars where there's oftentimes a, a, a real emphasis on like zeroing in on characters expressions and right. you know them emoting in a you know this animated way and that doesn't that doesn't come across as much in in this kind of flat mm-hmm. type of application in the animation to close it off um let's pivot over back to and revisit Mandalorian but yeah I mean we just got I mean it's kind of straight you know <laughs> is strange. It's like oh, behind the scenes of the season finale. It's yeah, like, what, <laughs> six months later. Or right. Like, it took a while to produce this one, I guess. Yeah. There, are, there's only two behind the scenes for season two, but this last one is really is really worthwhile. I was really digging seeing, you know, kind of tracking through the story and like the focus on all the strategy that went into, you know, bringing Mark Hamill in and trying to. Yeah. You know, conceal, you know, you know, save that from getting spoiled, you know, Luke's appearance and plus all the technical aspects of like how, you know, they went about, you know, presenting Luke in, in that era, like shortly following a uh, return of the Jedi. So, right. Yeah. I was fascinated throughout watching that uh, behind the scenes and it was really cool.
1: I agree I, I really like seeing Mark Hamill and the, and hearing uh, his thought on the finale and on the on the series in general about how he, he was a fan of it I'm really interested in that technical process too and I know we talked about it when we talked about the end of the Mandalorian but uh, I think we were both pretty uh, disappointed I maybe might say with the the CGI, Luke face mm. just the face, not the appearance. Story, I thought, I think it works well story wise and everything. It was just kind of the uncanny valleys there, and yeah. it's kind of hard to get over that. And I've seen other people since do deep fakes version of it, like and and quite honestly, it's looked kind of better. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen a uh, you know other people have kind of improved upon that. This is the same at the end of um, Rogue One with princess leia i've seen a deep fake done for that too and the deep fake looks better than the one in the film mm-hmm. yeah but it's still it's fascinating to see that process of how they look at like john breaks down kind of there's three approaches to go through and how to and how to do this it's fa- it's always fun and john's a great interview too i always like watch. i yeah. always like watching him he always has interesting things to say yep and he's a great what a great steward for you know the Star Wars franchise really. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really glad that he is basically the Kevin Feige of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I maybe might say Kathleen is, but I really think it's 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 John and Dave really who are yeah the ones who who are pushing this stuff through and doing a great job. Yeah,
0: yeah, no doubt. I mean, I thought. I mean, as much as I was like really geeking out over like the, you know, as they're talking about you know the pros and cons of like these three you know general approaches mm-hmm. um to bringing that luke luke skywalker to life yeah the extended like conversations with john favreau is just a joy and, and dave feloni as well mm-hmm. um and that's the same type of feeling i have it's like wow it's being a long-suffering star wars fan, <laughs> fan you know <laughs> who is been very hard on (laughs) you know much of what star wars has produced over the last decade and a half two decades it's it feels really reaffirming to like know that these two guys are like they're at the helm now more or less right and i mean i'm i'm you know i'm not recognizing probably enough other people i don't know about
1: right but they're definitely
0: they're they're the ones that are you know front and center right now they're the most out out front so i'll just heap them into the broader group of people that have brought the mandalorian to life you know obviously dave Filoni was like the driving force for clone wars and rebels which were fantastically successful in extending the star wars uh universe and getting and doing it in a way that like felt more like you know authentically star wars mm-hmm. then you know obviously we had major ups and downs with the the prequel movies and then the sequel movies <laughs> yeah so but with some gems, you know, sprinkled in with some of the standalone stuff. But yeah, I mean, moving forward, it definitely feels like there's we're in a better place. And also, watching that, watching this behind the scenes and the big focus on Mark Hamill and Luke as a character, it was really great to just kind of like get reacclimated to that version of Luke Skywalker. And I think my initial impressions after watching that season finale of the Mandalorian was I was a little on the fence about whether or not it should have been Luke or mm-hmm. whether or not, if it was Luke, that they shouldn't have just recast, you right. know, or just taken that opportunity to, you know, to bring in somebody that cast as Luke right. and like, and like lead into, you know, hopefully telling, you know, a Luke Skywalker story. I think we mentioned
1: that when we talked last. year, we said we both kind of agreed it would have been just best to, yeah, pick somebody to recast it and just go go forward. But,
0: but now after watching that and like spending time with Mark Hamill and talking about the character, I was like, oh yeah, this should have this was definitely should have been Luke. <laughs> they were yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they were right. Absolutely. There's there there wasn't anybody else that was more appropriate for you know Grogu to go with than right Luke Skywalker god i love the i love <laughs> i love all the, like the misdirection that they like baked in with like with the uh, the other jedi uh right right plocoon Plo <laughs> yeah right? And Dave right. Frone, he's saying like everybody knows he's like my favorite jedi <laughs> and, <laughs> i was like it's hilarious because like there is no no way in the world that <laughs> they're gonna like Drag out this super obscure character that nobody knows who he is unless you you know have really like watched closely like the Clone Wars animated series. So, but still, it's hilarious. It was definitely the right call. I will you know when I go back and rewatch this season of Mandalorian and rewatch that finale again, I will appreciate it all the more. Kind of knowing everything that went in to bringing that Luke Skywalker to life mm-hmm. and between. Mark himself doing some of that work and then the other actor and I don't remember his name (laughs) who was doing, you know, a lot of the action sequences and also, you know, the body doubling in different scenes,
1: but. It was good to know too, that uh, Mark Hamill was more involved in that than I thought initially, because it seemed like the general consensus around the internet was that he was consulted on it, but he didn't actually show up. And film anything for it specifically. And to realize watching it, like, oh my gosh, he was there. He was he filmed things. He, you know, that was nice to see. I didn't know any of that. So I was really happy.
0: Yeah. I mean, that was the other thing. That was a great that was talk John Favreau like kind of talking about like his like fanboy moment of like oh yeah, getting R2. chills, like I, you know, with R2 rolling out there and like Mark Hamill being on set and like this. You know doing this almost kind of like in a clandestine way where they got the bare minimum of the crew there and everything and how um special that was for them you know that was like you know i was feeling that like those chills you know <laughs> as well like thinking mm-hmm. like oh yeah you know that would be the same you know the as fantastic as the Mandalorian is as a standalone show as a it's its own individual story and stories that make it up I still think the crowning achievement of that show is just kind of igniting this kind of like love for Star Wars, the Star Wars universe in a way that I don't think any of these other films post the original um series of films have done, been able to do. There's something that's that just taps into like the the heart and soul of the Star Wars universe. And this behind the scenes episode really kind of like gives you a window into like how they're they've managed to do a lot of that. Anyway, yeah. That's a lot of Star Wars that's a lot of Marvel, but it just keeps on coming. So yep. I guess, I guess we'll keep talking about it. I guess we will too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. Just shills
0: for Disney and Marvel, I guess. Yeah. At least for now. I mean, there's, yeah, we're going to, we're going to pivot to some other stuff. Uh, <laughs> soon. Hey, we got the Witcher coming back at the end of the year yeah. too and Netflix. I know that we want to revisit that. Cause I know we both enjoyed that quite a bit. So we will pivot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But well on that All note, right, yeah. I think that's, yeah, yeah, I think that's a wrap. I think we will uh, let's see how this, the rest of what if plays out. And then I think that's good for today.